You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 564, brought to you by Geek Fuel and iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick the Week podcast episode 564. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. You. Who has survived from Kuala Lumpur. We want to hear all about it, Josh. <laughs> Monday morning, someone's like, so you were in the KL. And I was like, what? The I KL. love the KL. The KL. I don't know, oh. I don't know what you're talking about. And like, ma- I was completely the, the, baffled. And the mastermind of the Kuala Lumpur trip, Connor Kilpatrick. No, I don't know who this person is in the script, but it's not me. <laughs> it's Connor Kilpatrick. I fixed it on mine. <laughs> we are from iFanboy, and we like comic books. Every week we read a stack of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week. And then we'll talk about that book, some other books, some other fun stuff. Good times are going to be had. We're going to read your email. We're going to answer your questions. Keep going. Keep going. But in fact, that fun isn't even going to stop. So before we get into the pick of the week, we want to quickly give a little programming note. All of you loyal iFanboy patrons, you're going to want to tune in on Monday, the day after this podcast comes out, Monday the 5th of December at 9.30, Connor? 9.30 Eastern. 9.30 p.m. Eastern is our next and our December patron hangout. So be sure you stay tuned to patreon.com slash iFanboy to get the link to watch it on YouTube. Only members only, patrons only. Um, so definitely tune in for that and stay tuned later the show. We know a lot of you tune out right after the pick of the week or right after the books or right after like the superpowers, but stay tuned. Oh, let me, let me, you finish and I'll tell you something. Go ahead. I was going to say stay tuned till the end of the show uh, where we're going to run down the holiday schedule for December. We got a lot of podcasts, a lot of stuff. December is a unique month. So you definitely want to stay tuned to hear what the deal with that is. Connor, what did I miss? So uh, for Thanksgiving, we, we were driving up to uh, Santa Barbara, and uh, Megan was like, I want to finish listening to one of your shows. Do you mind? I said, no, that's fine. Uh-huh. And so we, we finished. That's weird. We get – well, it was the G.I. Joe show, so it was, it was still funny. Um, <laughs> we, we got to the end of the patron powers, and she turned it off. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> you too? <laughs> you do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, people, what this is going to mean is we're just going to start doing the, 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 the other podcast at the top of the show because we don't want you to miss the it. format. Yeah. It's just we're going to – it's going to be like that uh, – it's just going to stop. The tape's just going to stop. Just listen to the whole thing, please. Come on. So That part is the part that's the most interesting for us. Yeah, it's the most fun, honestly. It's when the wheels come off. But anyway. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned to the end of it for the holiday schedule and all the fun stuff and more info about the patron hangout. But until then, Josh – you had the pick of this uh, pick of the week for this week. Tell us all about it. Well, folks, Deadly Class number twenty-four is somewhat historic uh, in this in the history of the pick of the week. Uh-oh. Um, oh, canon. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> it's the first. No, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. I know where he's going. I think. <laughs> Okay, sorry. He can't even it's do the it. First time I can't. It, Let's hear it it. it. it it killed me. This is the first time that I've ever picked a uh, book specifically because of a five-page fart sequence. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I could not stop laughing. 
<laughs> I read this last night. It was late. Like I was like way past bedtime and I got to the point and kept going. <laughs> Genuinely like tears of laughter. But, and it never got gross. It never was. Nope. It wasn't like a big poop joke. It was it was it was Teutonic in nature. It was as if Thor had to fart. The language was sublime. The way that uh, the, the sort of narration of the guy who had to fart went. And I just was like, and before that, I was thinking, I've got nothing. You know, like I've got nothing going on. And it made me laugh so much. And it was a good issue. Like, these are all good issues. They're well done. But man, <laughs> I considered just reading the entire thing as my review. Just all of the dialogue. So uh, context, maybe, if people don't read the book, is that uh, the, uh, the, new, the new class is hanging out. At, it's a part, it's, is it Halloween? They're all dressed up. It's Halloween. It's yeah. Halloween, yep. And the, uh, the giant German who is dressed as Thor, <laughs> which he has the helmet which, on. Which was funny in and of itself. Um, yes. Decides to tell them about the uh, gastrointestinal uh, story that he had from the previous day. And it's it was why, a very funny story. Now, why Saya does not like him. Yeah, and it yeah. was in the context of, of within the characters of, of the book, which I thought, which is a nice kind of connection. Um, this was a great issue, Josh, I agree. And this, not, this issue not only included the farting in the, the, farting in the elevator sequence, um, but it also included a public defecation story, which, and Rick Remender tweeted out earlier in the week that this issue contains two stories that are based on true events. And the public defecation story, I know exactly the story he's referencing, and it's ten times worse than what happened in the book. So Yeah, because that doesn't even, didn't really seem that bad. Yeah, no, no the, the real story is that bad. But yeah. so. I, I, I held my knees for leverage so that the gust would not thrust me forward, and I opened myself. A hundred dying elephants bellowed in grief. A grotesque sound grew in tenor. The ghosts of my sadness sung of their ordeal. This this might be one of the most Rick, like channeling Rick's inner, uh, know. id. You know? I know, it was. I mean, but like he really has a gift. Yeah. In this, in the, I mean, he has lots and lots of gifts, and I don't even like. He's a supremely talented comic book creator, writer, artist, whatever. But there is a, there's a sort of low hanging fruit kind of joke that he just does real well. Yep. You know, and, and, and the way that he the way that he, he just he killed me, made me laugh a ton. Um, and I had read the issue before this uh, right in a row because I was back a little bit. Um, so I sort of got a big chunk of, of story. And what I kind of came up with is that, like, I, I don't know, I might be liking this. This era, this second sort of year, I guess, a little more. Yes, because all the character it's, it's a little pared down. There's a ton going on in the last one. And this is a much more focused sort of there's less students to keep track of. We know the world, so he doesn't have to go through all that. And we're just hanging out with these new kids and we don't have a bead on them yet. They're all and they're all over the place. Yeah. And the main the main guy in the first era was really mopey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's this, true. You know, I mean, they, they, these are all teenagers here, but there's no one constantly, you know, yeah. crying about everything. Some of them are like heroic or likable necessarily. 
Well, it's, but it's also, it's also where they it's, stand at. and it's also early enough in that you're still learning about. We're still learning about them. We're still understanding how to where everything is, you know, where all the pieces are falling and whose side are they on and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's it's pacing it really well. And an issue like this just, you know, and there was a great device with the with the character, the Christian character from South Africa, who's writing a letter to her parents. And, you know, and, and it's the, the that prose is side by side with some great panels going through each of the characters. And it furthermore, you know, cemented who they were and what their personalities were and gave you a little more insight into them. So Right. Uh, but even yeah. with all that, we still don't know what her deal is. True. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Although they kind of like uh, somebody kind of explained it to her and she kind of clammed up. You know, like I, I think it's the the Vietnamese kid was was yeah. just like like called it where he said, "Oh, your your parents have been hit, you know, um, taken by uh, warlords, and you're you're just here so that they'll be freed because you're huge or something." And I was like, "Oh, well, that's kind of interesting." Yeah. Um, I also don't don't know that we've had the concept of the rat explained so clearly before, or maybe I just missed it. But the idea that there are students at the school solely there to be killed by the other students, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think I caught that previously. Agreed. Right. But, yep. but she's she's one of them. She's in, she's a rat. But she's only in the school. So for the final exams, the other students have somebody to kill. Which, <laughs> They're just meat. They're meat. You know, I thought my school was hard, my high school, but um, <laughs> it was not. Apparently, it was all. It was the bratwurst, though. It was the agony of a thousand bratwursts. But I think you're right, Josh. Originally, when Reminder came out with all those books at once, we were. We like Deadly Class a lot, but I don't know that it ranked at the t- near the top. But now no, I, 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 I look forward to I it more. I almost stopped reading it at one point, and, and that's turned around. I think it's, I look forward to it the most now, I think, yeah. of all of them. Well, I mean, I for, me, for, 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 for me, it's right there. Yeah, for me, from the get-go... Um, you know, I, I love black science, and I love, and we all know Mateo Scalera is a, is a, is, a, is a beast. But um, from the get go, Wes Craig just brought something completely unique, and you know, from the moment, you know, from that first sequence with with Saya on the motorcycle and all that, you know, that kind of stuff. That you know, every issue is like, all right, well, what is Wes going to do with this? And it was great to see this issue to let him flex some of his cartooning muscles. Uh, um, a little more similar to the his his own personal work like Black Hand Comics, which he's done. Where I, I feel like the 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 farting story and the the poop story were done more in a looser kind of cart. Yeah, you know, kind of I actually, right. I actually wondered if that was a different artist. No, it's for him. a second. Yeah, he's great. no. I know, I know that, but yeah. I was. It was just done in a, in a different style that that worked. And, and it's funny because I'm giving uh, Rick a lot of credit for the prose there, but obviously the the cartooning that goes along with it are great. Yeah. Um, is great too. I mean, yeah, so, no, he's something special. Like Wes Craig is like, I don't know. It's almost every once in a while an artist and a book will come along and you'd be like, well, what else? What else is this guy going to do? Right. Yeah, what I think is so what, what I think. Yeah. Chew is a great example. What I think is so unique about what Remender's books are compared to other creator owned books is that quite often it's, you know, OK, Mark Miller's got a new book and it's done by Eminem or it's done by Capullo and it's all this sort of stuff. But you still get the idea of those singular creators collaborating but what Remender is doing is Remender is working with people like Wes Craig, Mateo Scalera, Jerome Pena and creating these wholly unique things that really could only be done by the two of them together. Yes. You know, and and I think that is a huge huge aspect of it. No one creator on either side of the writing or the artist stands out and it's like you've got to read this because of Rick's writing or because of Wes's art. It's them the true collaboration that makes for me that makes them really sing in the books that I I read first when they come out. So and also, those are not me too. Those are also not based on an all-star artist. Right. Not to say they're art. I mean, Opeña pretty much is yeah, now, but yes, he is because exactly. of his collaboration. Yeah. But it's more that they're really good artists. And yeah. Bendis used to do this. Yep. 
way back in the day, Bendis was the guy pulling people in. Like his, I think his aesthetic changed a little in his his, you know, who works with him. But that used to be him. You know, uh, Joe Casey's another guy like that. Like he finds a guy who is perfect for the story. Doesn't matter who that guy is. Yep. Um, but Rick happens to do it with guys who, like, we're all like, "Wow, that person's a superstar. Why don't we know about it?" Right. Yep. You know, he'll find that, and and it's it's a perfect melding. You're absolutely right. Well, I'm glad, so, I'm glad, I was glad to see this pick because I was waiting for you to send the email with what we're going to talk about. And I was like, oh, if he doesn't include De- Deadly Class, I'm adding it because just because. Oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, I know I tend to always bring up books that make me laugh, <laughs> but this is like one of the big, and it continued for, it wasn't just like one page that made me laugh. It kept going and I was like five pages of fart. Yep. Really good stuff. Really but good not, stuff. Well, it was good. Long story. Yep. I liked it. I liked it a whole lot and I needed the laugh. <laughs> I really enjoyed Batman Annual number one. I wasn't going. This is a fifth week. DC basically put out no books. They put out a couple of annuals. I wasn't going to read them originally, but then I saw that uh, the creative team on Batman Annual was actually pretty top shelf one. Yeah. So I read it and I really liked it. Did you like all of them? No. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an annual. It's like, you know, they got four or five short stories. You're not going to like them all. I assume you got pretty excited about seeing Paul Dini and Neil Adams together. Yeah, but just as a concept. Um, yeah, but as a concept, less than execution. Like, I think I liked each each subsequent story a little bit less. Is what I what I came. You, so okay, so yeah, I, I was I was wondering. That. So first story was uh, Tom King and Dave Finch. Uh, the Ace the Bat Hound story. <laughs> Your buddy Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually think this this is the, my favorite. Did I Batman. say Dave. You said Dave Finch. <laughs> Dave's not here, man. Um, I think it's my favorite, actually, Batman story that Tom King has written so far. Really? Despite the um, the bit where Bruce Wayne plays with Ace the Bat Hound and he talks like the people talk with who talk to dogs. I don't picture Bruce Wayne ever doing that. And no, but, that's the point. With dogs, people do shit like that. I, 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 I hitched on that. I saw it and I thought, would he do that? And I decided, yes, he would. This is the one place he's going to do that. But I think that... Um, this is so the story is that you know the Batman finds one of the Joker's gang of dogs with the they were all card themed and he was the ace dog and he takes it in and it it's the story of Alfred slowly training it over the course of a few months to be a pet and uh, become Ace the Bathound. Um, I thought this was this was Tom King told us that or he said in many interviews that he he wants to bring back an air of the animated series to the Batman books and I thought this was the most like that. I think the other big story of this is the continuing idea that uh, Dave, as I call him, Dave Finch, I find his artwork to be much more palatable than I have in a very long time. Mm-hmm. He's really who, who, cut it I, down. No, I didn't. I didn't read this because it was an annual, and I just said whatever. Um, who inked it though? Is the same inker on the the first run of Batman? It's uh, it's just a Dave attempt. Dave, it's David Finch. Dave, his buddy Dave. Dave Finch also inked it. Yeah. Oh wow, his Dave. buddy Dave Finch inked it. Okay, when, yeah. when Dave Finch and Dave Finch get together, just some great <laughs> yeah. things happen. Oh, the Finches? Yeah, the Finches. Oh, forget about <laughs> it. The, the, I mean, the only thing about it is, I think um, I don't know who this colorist is. Gabe Gabe Eltabe. That looks like a fake name. Oh, Eltabe. No, it's not. He's he's real. Yeah, yeah. Looks like a Star Wars name where they just made it backwards. It really does, though. It does. I think that if you like if you had Jordi Belair color this, it would be over the top. She can't color everything, Josh. I know that. I don't mean her, but like somebody who has that just a little muted because it's a little like vibrant in places where I don't know that it needs to be. Right. 
Um, muted isn't even really the word. Just 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 bring it down a notch. Um, anyway, I, the point is like I used to write him off completely, uh, and I get that people like him. It's just not my style, but I, I like what he's doing here. Yeah, yeah. it's a little, it's just a sweet little short story. Yep. Um, I like the sequence where Alfred's training him, and we see Batman in the background on his back computer yep. talking about whatever's happening, and just and the crimes get sort of increasingly more ridiculous. And then one of the panels is just Kite Man. And uh, it was, in the context of the joke, the, 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 the escalation of it was very funny. Yep. Um, yep. I, I liked it a lot. I thought the second story of Scott Snyder and Ray Fox and Declan Shalvey was good. Um, the, the sweet little story about the moment where crime stops in Gotham during the holidays. Yep. Uh, uh, the Deanie story of Neil Adams I didn't really love only because it is not really the Deanie Harley Quinn. It's the current Harley Quinn. And I don't really it like was a, it. was a combination of them i think yeah i don't like harley quinn is what i'm starting to learn i I don't i don't know that i know the difference i know the visual difference between them but like i just don't it doesn't do anything for me yeah and then the um ray fox no who who did the other the third the fourth steve orlando and uh orlando riley rosmo uh, riley rosmo which looked like that character looks like rasputin yes (laughs) from the book that he did and i was really confused um i don't I don't like it. I think I think that uh, Steve Orlando's scripts don't do it for me. Yeah, right now they don't either for me, really. I mean, I want to, and like, there's a thing about them that doesn't work for me. And he's doing a lot of stuff. Um, stories aren't bad. Like, they just just doesn't sound quite right to me. Uh, it looked good though. Yep, it did look good. I, I like Raleigh Rosmo a lot, and I like that he's got a place now. Then I kind of skimmed the last one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really. That's, it wasn't really. You had a very it. similar experience. <laughs> you didn't like I got it. About a, I, I got out a page in and I was like, "Oh, okay." You didn't like it as much as you alluded to at the beginning of the segment. The issue? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the first two stories a lot. Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I thought the first story was was. I like the art a lot. It did not, not feel not, like a waste of time. I will. I will give you that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, I don't know about it in contrast, but over in the Superman side, they took a completely different tack with their annual. Um, which was just yeah. basically a done in one story by the. Uh, I don't think Jorge Menes is a regular artist, is he? Uh, no, but he's a, he's a filling guy. Right. Okay. Well, it's, uh, Tomasi and Gleason on the story, um, and basically, uh, the story created a problem that had not previously existed, and then Swamp Thing helped solve it. Yeah, um, I didn't like it. It just wasn't much to it. I thought it looked great. I, this Jorge Menes guy. Uh, I like what like he does. A, yeah, he's, he's like, it was like a thirty-page uh, fight scene. Yep, it, which was which was uh, basically I like the art because there was no point for that fight scene. Yeah, the art was great. I think he's really Jorge yeah. Mendes is really good. Um, but uh, you're right. I mean, the whole thing was like this new Superman's absorbing sun in a different way than the old one did. And it's throwing the the world off balance, and the green is dying, and so they've got to fix that. And okay, it was for fine. some reason that caused a drought. All right, whatever. And then it was like they fought because Swamp Thing's like, here, I can fix it. And Superman's like, don't touch me. And then they fought for a while. A long while, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But I guess because I was just like, I'll just keep looking at it. That's fine. This is the guy, I think, who, remember, we we talked about him before, who we were like, okay, the costume doesn't look so bad, and this guy draws it. Like, he's really good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's very, very dynamic action in the way that people are being drawn. I like the coloring, too. So but, there's uh, that. That's nice things to say. 
That's all I got for that one. It's interesting, though, that, like, uh, well, you know what? There's a question about annuals later. Yeah. And we will uh, come back. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Especially funny because I, I, I said we should talk about an annual. But, um, Ron, but yeah. I don't want to hear your heavy sighing while we talk about the DC annuals, and we're about to hear you talk about Inhumans versus X Men number zero. Well, I don't know. IVX. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's the th- so in in all the listings online and the shipping lists and on Comicsology stuff, that it's listed as IVX. But what does the fucking cover say? Inhumans vs X Men. So what is it, Marvel? Come on. I thought but, it was one versus ten. I was like, what's this? But uh, one versus ten, zero. In uh, Inhumans vs X Men number zero starts. This is the I guess the prelude to the the next big event coming out of Death of X. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give Marvel credit. I mean, I don't know if they're doing this consciously to uh, to placate the Richards contingent, but um, <laughs> they're serving. <laughs> that's gonna. I just want to mark that down. I'm gonna have to use that again. They're, they're, they're serving up some stories that are hot piles of shit and having them be illustrated by artists that I love. Um, huh. And in this particular case, um, we got Kenneth Roquefort on our duties, um, drawing the story from Charles Soule, who, again, I really don't, just like just like with Death of X, I, I don't blame Charles Soule and Jeff Lemire because I do not believe this is from the brains of the writers. I believe that editorial is saying, here, this is what you need to do with them. Go do it. And they're just, they're just doing a job, which is what work for hire is. Um, but in this case, so Death of X finishes up. And as you remember... Marvel now launched and we were at it was a fucking DC year one problem because we lost the whole year of the X-Men continuity. It's I'm, only a problem to you. It's only no a problem one to else me. has a problem. Yeah, I, this, these segments are difficult for me. But so, well, just sit back. I was quiet. I, I, was qui- be- I was quiet while Superman talked to a plant. OK. <laughs> Did you read that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so th- what this does is this fills. So, Death of X happens. Cyclops is dead, and this fills in the gap between where we are now with the X Men books and when Cyclops died in one twenty-page issue, which kind of jumps, you know, eight months ago, six months ago, four months ago, and it explains that after the death of Cyclops, a truce between the Inhumans and the X Men, and as a as a sign of peace, Beast is welcomed into Ala- Al- whatever Atlantis, Atalan. Atalan, to research the Terrigen Cloud to try to figure out a way to make it stop from uh, killing mutants. And while he's doing this, Emma is training and Emma is talking to Magneto and talking to other X-Men teams and, you know, basically building up to the point where, as she explains to Magneto, you know, Beast, he's, he's the clock is ticking, he hasn't figured this out. If he doesn't figure this out, then I'm going to figure it out. And which I guess is fine. At one point, she goes to visit the young X-Men and, and talks to Iceman and Bobby and we're just like, I'm gonna need your help. Do I? Can I count on you? And Beast literally, literally says, <laughs> "I just like this. Just cracked me up because this. I don't know if this is lazy writing or whatever. But he says, well, we'll need some specifics. But if things are really that dire, of course we'll do. And she's like, great, good enough for me. I'll be in touch and leaves. So she's giving no specifics. It's all very surfacey. But basically, the idea is that at the end of the eight months, um, Beast discovers that the Terrigen. He sees some Terrigen activity in the Savage Land." And he chooses to uh, withhold that from his inhuman science partner. And then Emma shows up uh, at X-Haven where Storm is and says, you know, okay, we need to do something about this. And the waiting is over. And that's leading up to the inhuman versus X-Men thing, IVX number one, 
which is just, I mean, it's a good catch-up. Roquefort is great, and I love good Roquefort. Um, and this had some really great, you know, some really, really good Roquefort layouts and things like that. But it, the whole thing, I just, can we just fast forward to the end of it? I want all the stuff they've announced with Resurrection looks exciting and looks hopeful. And this is just like a slog that we need to get through. So. Looks great. I hate the Inhumans. It looks great, though. Yeah. So. <sighs> See, was that so bad, Josh? I'm sorry. I'm back now. What do we need? <laughs> Connor, did you read it or did you just flip through it? Yeah, yeah, I read it. I read it. It looked. I mean, I, it was fine. It was. A, it's a zero issue. It's really hard to yeah. judge. Uh, the, the, literally, the point of the zero is just, it's just to move pieces around on a board. Well, so. it's yeah, it's moving pieces around on a board that haven't been moved around because they've ignored the story for the past year. Like if you that's told, the part that I don't like listening to. Exactly. If you told a good story, you don't need a zero issue. So, yeah, but that, I, I don't. I mean, not necessarily. If you you're you're no, I don't agree with that. Okay. Well. Because they, they 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 told this time jump story, and then they're going back and C them. versus R, number zero. <laughs> but it's fine; it doesn't matter really. Yeah. Well, Ultimately, so- I I share your same reservations. I don't care for the Inhumans as this in this role. Right. I like them occasionally showing up. You know, it was a big deal when they showed up. And now it's not. And then they just, and then they leave. And now they're just always around, and they're just lo- lo- losing their magic a little bit. No, the magic is gone. It's stupid. Um, what's even stupider now is I'm looking at the dumb checklist for this event and I'm going to have Go some, ahead. I'm going to have some holes in the story cause I'm sure as hell not reading uncanny and humans. Why? It's good. It Ugh. is good. Oh, oh, bad taste in my mouth. I, I'm also not reading all of it. I'm not going to read, uh, hold on, I'm calling it up. I'm not going to read Deadpool and the Mercs for money. Or Uncanny X-Men. Now, why have it be Deadpool and the Mercs for Money and not Deadpool's, the, the, just the Deadpool book? Oh, God, this is just... Cash a, money! Yeah, stupid. One sells more than the other. The one that sells more is getting left alone. Jesus Christ, this is going to go until March. <laughs> Two events a year now, bitches. Oh, By the way, that is optimistic. Yeah. When, when's the last time an event has actually happened <laughs> on time? Yeah, how many, wait, so there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 books that all need to ship on time between now and March. I, I still feel like they haven't ended Battle World. <laughs> like, what happened at the end there? Oh, gosh. We don't know. All right, well, anyway. Uh, all right, before we move Everybody on, we want to thank our... We want to thank our sponsor for this episode. We want to thank Geek Fuel for sponsoring this episode of uh, Fanboy. Um, and listen... You're a geek. You love to get geeky stuff in the mail. It's all the rage. Geek Fuel is some great folks who are doing it right. Um, with Geek Fuel, Geek Fuel, you get a uh, you get a cool box of, of stuff sent directly to your house. It's a mystery box for geeks and gamers. That's got over fifty dollars worth of value for around fifteen dollars uh, at your price. Um, every box gets an exclusive T-shirt, a full downloadable game, and about five to seven geeky items. And listen, special offer for iFanboy listeners: if you buy Geek Fuel now, uh, you can get. Uh, a limited edition variant of Suicide Squad number one uh, with the certificate and everything to show that it is yours and it is it is it is limited and it is exclusive. Uh, so you definitely want to pick that up um, by going to geekfuel.com/ifanboy. All right, so uh, that free bonus item comes in your first box, and every other box after that will have a ton of cool geeky stuff that you can pick up for the low, low price of just around fifteen dollars. Um, Doing the math, it's over fifty bucks worth of value there. Yeah, easy, easy. Great. You it's can't great. afford not to do it. Yeah. At that at that price. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you go to geekfuel.com/ifanboy, you can sign up for uh, Geek Fuel and start getting cool stuff in the mail because everybody loves to get mail. This is just about 
all the U.S. post office is good for these days anymore is getting these boxes in the mail. So might as well do it. So, <laughs> All right. So geekfuel.com slash iFanboy. We thank them for their support. So, Josh, did Miss Marvel 13 come out late? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I got from it. I was like, this is awkward reading about voting in democracy now when I've it, lost uh, all faith it, in everything. It was a very um, enjoyable uh, after-school special is what this issue was. Oh, no. It was. Um, and I, I applaud them, which is why I want to talk about it. It's a one-shot story called Election Day that's all about voting and your civic responsibility and your duty. And the only problem is it came out about a month after Election Day. So yeah. I think that uh, something happened. I was also nice that she fixed gerrymandering in less than 24 hours. <laughs> so basically, the, there's a big, you know, big elections coming up and uh, the mayor is going to lose because suddenly there's been a secret gerrymandering and everyone's districts are broken. And uh, I, I don't think it happens as quickly. I don't think you suddenly have to move your school like that. But um, anyway, <laughs> find New out York City. Because Hydra that is, is a, a mess of bureaucracy. Hydra is behind it. They're trying to get their candidate for some reason as the mayor of Jersey City. And uh, she, she, she solves it. But getting everyone... There's lots, lots of pages of information dumps on how to vote. On yep. How to find out how to vote. And oh, this where is, to this go. Is, this, is just a, this is just embarrassing to come out a month later. That's what it's I mean. Like, it's like two weeks late. Uh, no, it's like... No, it's not. Is it? Next week, I don't know. Do you, no, it's almost exactly a month late. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm really trying not to pay attention anymore. That's it's, fair. But still, you know what? All of that is totally true, but it was still it was still delightful. There is an attitude. Uh, the Kamala character is delightful. And uh, I, I still think you should read it, everything else aside. And in this fantasy world, they rallied the people and they voted the Jill Stein character in, so that's nice. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Instead of having her ruin the election. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so my, 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 my thought on 7 to Eternity is that, you know, we, we talk a lot about your Mateo Scaleros and your hot young gunslingers in town who are... It's Connor Scalera. Uh, Scaleras. Scaleros. And, uh, That's multiple Scalera. Yeah, multiple Scalero. And I feel like um, Jerome Pena is the guy who comes in and says, remember me, and blows everybody up. Yep. Because... Uh, I'm not following this book at all, but I, I think it's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I'm going to keep looking at it. Yeah. I actually much... thought between two and three, I was like, okay, I kind of know what's going on here. And, and what I thought was interesting is that one issue one through three really just set up for issue four. And I don't mean that in an idiotic way. I mean, like, they told it's a little preamble, and I got the sense that next issue is when the adventure starts. Well, yeah, they, yeah. They, now they, they formed the, the seven. Yeah. yeah, they formed the seven who are going to eternity with the with the king. So, yeah. I, 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 he's he's just like I, I literally just took about maybe three or four minutes a page just looking at every detail and just you know like getting it as close to my eyes as I can. I just want to. You no, know, Pena is just he's a, he's a monster. I love. Did him. You rub your eyeballs on it. I did. I did. They got, you read this for an hour. I did. <laughs> Listen, I took my I took my time. I just I, I slowly get read it it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> he literally just he's like you forgot about me, didn't you? Boom. And yeah. it's I mean, Jesus. And it's funny. It's funny because the strategy with this book, at least from what, what Rick had told me last time I saw him, was that. They started it like a how like a year ago, year and a half ago, and it's just like just let just let Jerome draw without without worrying about the shipping schedule, get it all done, 
you know, and 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 make something amazing. That was the mandate, and that's what that that's what he's doing. And it's so, and it was you know, it was etern- it was an eternity to wait, but it was it's it's going to be so worth it. It's so worth it with every page. And it's about it's a superhero team. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so. it's um, a dinosaur with a metal jaw. Yeah. All right. Do so, it. Uh, so, Guardians of the Galaxy number uh, fourteen. Uh, it's 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 like half empty, half full. Half full. Uh, Bendis working with Kevin McGuire, telling a fun Spider-Man story. That's that's fun. Half mm-hmm. empty. It just punct- It's a flashback story that just punctuates how bad Bendis's run on Guardians of the Galaxy has been. So. Well, is it not enjoyable? It was enjoyable, but like the whole thing is that so post Civil War, now the Guardians <laughs> are the Guardians are. Stranded. I liked it, but not the way I wanted to. Right? Isn't yeah, that no. the point to no. enjoy it? If it's enjoyable, then isn't it good by default? Uh, but it just it just but it's not doing anything. It's not it's not propelling a a, a major story. You know. So, like, so what? I don't know. Does every story have to propel every major story? I mean, why can't it just be a story? But this, are you reading this? Are you reading Guardians? No. Okay. Well, so I don't so. care about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, there you go. Um, for me, I like Kevin McGuire. I love the Kevin. Well, I, I, I'm wrong. I love Kevin McGuire, and I love this. I love the art in this book, and I loved what he did. He has. He's got a uh, Richard Eisenhower cover, colored it, so that that was a lot more improved. Um, oh, a real colorist. Yeah. Oh, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying it, but. Um, the uh, I mean, what just bothers me is that I feel as if Guardians was a good book, and for whatever reason, it hasn't gotten the full attention of Bendis or whomever, and it just has kind of stagnated since you know since Thing joined the team and post Secret War or whatever. And I just want to, um, and I like the idea of them being stuck on Earth, and so I kind of want to see where that goes. And so like I was excited to see that, and instead we get a flashback story to a Spider-Man adventure. That's where I'm coming from. That's all. So, okay. Did you Fair read enough. Old Man Logan? I did. Uh, I did. And I'm surprised you added this. But I, I Well, Old Man Logan has been on the chopping block for me for a while. I didn't like the last. I really liked the first arc. I didn't really like the second arc. And it's a problem with modern comics. If you don't like an arc, you're stuck for six months with that arc. Right. Or, I'm sorry, in Marvel time, that's two and a half weeks. Six, or however six days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but And so at the end of this year, I was like, oh, there's a couple of books I might chop. And I'm looking to you know, start the new year with some you know, a cleaner pull list. And this was on the list. of. But then uh, Felipe Andrade, how do you say, Andrade? Andrade. Andrade. Andrade uh, drew this issue, which is Monster War Part 1, in which Logan teams up with a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. special monster specialists to fight Dracula. And I was all in. Not only not only is it all in on the story, but uh, Felipe Andrade, who I believe I last saw him doing Scotty Young's Rocket book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just he's great. He's no, great. I, I was not even all in on the story until the very end. I, w- I had to convince myself I was going to be in on the story. Yeah, um, it's the art, really. Yep. I mean, it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's the, it's the sta- it's the standard. Dracula Marvel story, you know, like Morbius right. is there and uh, Werewolf by Night and all the, the howling, com- you know, the, the latest howling commandos type thing. And up oh, Jubilee, who's been a vampire for up a couple of years, has gotten called back to Dracula. So Wolverine's got to save her. I think I've read this story already, but his art makes it worth it. So, yeah, so it's good. It's Jubilee's gorgeous. a vampire now? She's been a vampire, She's been a vampire for, years. for many years. Yeah. years yeah. No shit. Yeah, she got bit right. by yeah. a vampire. She couldn't go outside. This is... Yeah, that'll happen. And she's a ba- she has a baby. Shogo. Which hasn't aged at all. No, not at all. No. Um, that's fine. Uh, but the first she's, al- she's about- also 47 now, Josh. Yeah. Babies are kind of like vampires. <laughs> so I, uh, when I, I opened the book, Ron, I was like, oh, oh. Yep. And it, it's, so it's not off, on the choppy block as long as he's drawing this arc until cool. the arc is over. Cool. All right. Yeah. 
I look forward to talking about it with you. Yes. All righty. Is the, is, the, is, the, is the energy weird in this episode? Is it just bit, me? A little bit. It's a little weird. I don't know why. I blame I blame the I blame the, the, the cocaine. <laughs> Let's I don't rally. Think it's so, me. <laughs> Let's rally. So uh you know, every week, if you're a patron in the show, <laughs> patreon.com slash ifan, patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote on a book that will add to the rundown. Every week, the patrons vote. This week, the patrons voted for DC's new talent showcase number one, ironically with a cover by 64-year-old Klaus Johnson. Um, <laughs> Hold on, Hold on. Uh, <laughs> he prepped for that. It sounded off the cuff. <laughs> I don't think you know his age oh, off the top of your head, which means yeah. well done to you, sir. I knew I was going to say it, but I looked the age up. Um, you know, this, so this is uh, a little anthology full of short stories written and drawn supposedly by newcomers, although I recognized, at least on the art side, at least half the names. I can't tell, I can't tell if, this is an, if this is an example of DC's lack of connection to the comic book industry. Or... Okay, you know what? This makes let's make this a two-part conversation. Okay. We're gonna talk about the stories and the book itself. Yep. And then the overall issues surrounding it after. Can we do that? Sure. Okay. 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 There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine stories. Yeah. I think we're not I going, like, we're not, we're not, yeah, we're not going through all of them. What was your favorite? No, 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 no. What was your favorite? Uh Dead Man. Dead Man. Dead Man. Yeah, I interviewed Chris Sabella probably five or six years ago. Uh, I'm pretty sure David Messina worked on a, worked on worked on the balance with Joe Casey, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get to it. So, okay. And, and, uh, uh, so, Dead Man was great. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the Wonder Girl. Uh, no, not the Wonder Girl story. The Wonder, um, Woman. Wonder Woman story. Yep. Which one? There's two. Uh, the, the first one with Car- Carrie Randolph on art. Because, you know, <laughs> Carrie Randolph was <laughs> um, and, and actually, to be honest with you, even though he only has a cameo in it, it made me really want Carrie Randolph to be on The Flash. What was really, really weird about this was, again, these are short stories, and they're, they're sort of just tryouts. It doesn't really matter. But, like, it was Wally West Flash in the old costume. Yeah. And then was there was it? a story later on where... Uh, Kyle and Carol Ferris were a couple. Is that a thing? Are they a couple? Yeah, I was. I yeah, was I had no idea. I had no idea. So I actually think that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if it's a fault of these stories or not, but it, it seemed like they all seem like sort of cold opens to adventures that may yes. or may not happen. Yep. Yes, that's so, what, that was my biggest problem. Yep. Voice wise, stories. Voice wise, I thought they were actually really well done for quote unquote new talent, whatever. Um, in what? that, like, they, they, you know, they like generally, I wasn't rolling my eyes. Like, it sounded good. The guy who did the Hellblazer story, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty good. But also, like, this is a huge story that he was starting to tell that we're never going to read. Right. Also, but I, 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 yes, I for the most part, I was, I, I didn't really find any that I was like, oh. But I thought a lot of them had way too many words. Yeah. Yes. There was a couple okay. where they, there was just, there was a lot of exposition dumping going on. Yeah. Um. But on the on the whole, I thought. You know, well, I mean, as a new talent showcase, pretty, you know, pretty good. Yeah, yeah I mean, the best way to showcase your, the best way to showcase your new talent is by hiring people who've worked in the industry for years. <laughs> well, I think it said. Okay, so let's get to it. So I think it said specifically that it's new to DC, which is kind of a <laughs> no. no. Well, it does. Little, little essay at the beginning says it's from the the writers for the most part. Most of the writers, I, I didn't recognize their names. I did. Oh, oh, most of them I, I did. I mean, Mike Morrissey, who's who I worked with at Image, like 
The, you know, the, the, I mean, the writers are, I mean, we said Sabella, who worked on the Dead Man story. He's been, he's been around. Yeah. I mean, J- J- uh, Janelle Jones uh, wrote the heart of Joel Joelle Jones. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Joelle Jones. Um, it says it says the artists are from the the 2015 program. Yeah, uh, you know what? I've known Sonny Liu for quite a while. Yeah, Sonny yeah. Liu. I really enjoyed his uh, his graphic novel <laughs> that I saw him do a signing for at Isotope. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> so here's the thing. I mean, the attitude that and they did this, and I could talk about this with a greater extent to the DC Talent Workshop in general. It's that like they don't want like they they sell it to you as the idea of the these are new Break people in. these are yeah, people we farmed out and found and that's not it what they're saying is that we are the super extreme big leagues and we want you to develop yourself before you come in so they're not so that whole DC talent workshop thing was sort of sold as you know amateurs show us what you got but the fact is you had to you had to give them published work right yeah so it's a little bit of a marketing thing. Where they're they're marketing it one way, but that's not actually the reality. Right. I'm just like, so that's not what it is. But it's it's funny because DC's kind of like, well, you've got to do all your work everywhere else, and then you're good enough to come work for us. And I was like, have you been reading DC Comics right. for the past five years? Because that's not what it feels like to me. I don't know where you're getting all those other people, but the people in here, I, I know better than most of the new artists that they had come on during the New 52, unless right. they've been around since the 80s. Well, yeah, well, because ma- mainly because a lot of this book was was woefully missing the South American and Spain contingent. No, it's true. That's true. I mean, that's who's been, that's yeah. been who's been driving the art bus on, on DC for all these years. And if this is a sign that they're going to move away from that, not that, not that all those artists are bad, but not all of them are great. And so, you know, I don't know. It just, it's, yeah, that's a strange thing. Stra- Josh, do you want to, do you want to caveat your criticism of the art program? No, I, I you need to. It's uh, journalistic integrity. Oh, oh, because I was, yeah, I, I applied, but I didn't expect to get it. Yeah, I kind of just did it because I was supposed to, and then I was in the middle of it. I thought, um, yeah, I did. I'm not bitter about that in any way. Actually, what's funny is that one of the guys who got it was was Dave Campo, who yeah. uh, was a longtime iFanboy listener, friend of ours, also published like, published writer. Yeah, I mean, but he's done indie stuff. He's never yeah. done like work for hire, you know, like like yeah. or or you know, top five kind of publisher stuff and so him i was like okay that's actually like like he feels like the guy that it was supposed to be made for yes yes um yes. whereas a bunch of other guys have had a ton of other stuff published and i've known them forever and i know that's actually this you know it's no over no nice successes ben just did comics for 10 years before he worked for marvel blah 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 yeah. but this new comics economy i don't know it, like the story of what the things are versus what it actually is i think are different and i think the dc engenders that to get more attention yep agreed Agreed. Um, but, but like, honestly, the the people, a great number of the people in this book, are professional comic book creators. Yep. Right. And and they're new talent in that like they're new hires yep. for DC Comics. But that that's not a workshop program. You didn't need to teach these people how to do comics. They taught themselves how to do comics by making comics. And then DC just said, okay, now here's how you make DC comics. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, and maybe to the letter of the law, that's what it is. But that's sh- sure not how I think it was presented. All right. Well, Sonny, Sonny, that's not. He's not a newcomer. Yeah. At all. Carrie you know, Randolph is going places. Carrie Randolph. <laughs> Carrie Randolph. I, I, yeah. Listen, you want to you, you want to get on that Carrie Randolph train? What was that boom? Was it the boom book? Yeah, Starborn, and then he did um he did Tech Jacket Tech Jacket for Skybound. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, I was yeah. reading that. Like yeah. that's professional comic book work yeah. for major publishers that he was paid for. He's not new. He's. I mean, that's like that's like saying when when you know. They they have somebody come over from Marvel to DC that they're new. It's it's not. They're right. professional. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, Kla- Klaus Jansen. He's yeah. going places. He's going places. Like this new band, The Shins. Yeah. Come on. All right. So that said, ratings, ratings. Oh. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed reading it for the most part. I want to. I want to put that out there. Yep. Rating. So uh, three. Three. I'll give it a three. Sticking with it, there's nothing to stick with, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just we read more of these people's continuing bodies of work. I'm going to follow that Carrie Randolph. He's going places. So. <laughs> yep. All right. I'm all about to the Cena. <laughs> all right, so we also like to thank our patrons. Every week we give a few of our patrons, the people who supported us at patreon.com slash ifanboy, we give them dumb superpowers. And, well, uh, dumb, dumb is subjective. We... I agree. Uh, yeah. I agree with Ron there. <laughs> Let's just say we give them superpowers. Some might be dumb. Some might be frustrating. I'm so, trying to lower expectations. All right, fair enough. Don't. So when they're awesome, they're surprised. So first uh, patron we're going to thank is John Bjorling. And John Bjorling can hover 11 inches off the ground. Only 11. What happens at 11 inches? He gets as high as he can go. <laughs> so it's more, of a, it's more of a hovering power. Hover. I yeah, hover. hover. Yeah, hover. All right, there you go. Cool. Not flying. All right. No, he can't. I'm trying can, to think of can he propel stuff. can he propel himself or can he just go up? Well, he can go eleven inches. Right. No, but he, so he goes up eleven inches, but then is he just stuck there or can he move oh. forward? It's good. No, he can only hover. He can only hover. So, but wow. if he throws a rope on, and gets a doorknob six feet away and pulls it, he can pull himself. Yeah, along. yeah, he can yeah. pull himself. Yeah. Sure. Okay, it's like a hoverboard. Tell you what, that's the guy you want with you at the supermarket. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> or now, or in a back. or in a small flood. He could jump <laughs> off a building and he wouldn't be able I to move. Land eleven inches off the ground. That would be all right. Oh really? No, oh, hold on. Hold, hold on. on. Oh, whoa. Oh, there's physics involved here. There's a lot of physics no, there's involved. Not, no, there's, there's no physics involved here at all. What if the so, four? What if the, if he gets, jumps on the top of the Empire State Building and the force hmm. nine point five meters per second? I mean, that's going to propel him down past eleven inches into the pavement. When he hits, well, wait. No. When he hits the eleven inches barrier. Does it yeah. cushion, or does that just work like a, a floor? Because he, he, he crushes his legs. No, because it's just superpowers. None of this makes sense in physics. We're asking he just you stops. to make sense. He just stops. What if he, wants to, what if he wants to go? So he can jump off a building and land safely, basically. Yes. He has to be feet down. Yeah, feet, feet down. down. Yeah. If he flips around, he's a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If he flips around, he goes up to the moon and stops 11 inches. He can go to the moon? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Way to bury the lead. I think you created a character <laughs> as useless as or more useless than Mechanek. <laughs> hey, listen, Mechanic is great because he can look over that bar, that that hill. <laughs> no, not even the hill. He can look over this fence. fence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as there's not a foot a footstool around of some kind. Yeah. Well, as long as there's not a too, the fence isn't too high. Oh, let's not get, let's not let's not go deep on He-Man characters. <laughs> because I could have used about eleven more inches to get up there. Oh man, I miss Triclops. Okay, uh, next up we want to thank Chris Morris. And Chris Morris has the uh, super ability to talk to babies. Don't we all? Like, <laughs> no. Like, can't anybody talk to a baby? I've he, done it hundreds uh, of times. No, oh, he, he understands babies. He understands babies and can converse with babies. Like, babies understand him, and when they start babbling, he knows what they're trying to say. So you just took my bird power from last, last week and you give it to babies. Maybe. <laughs> I just thought it would be a good power to be able to talk to babies. It would be it would be enormously useful. Yeah, I mean, think think about I mean, he, think about working for the police if a baby sees something and they say no, he did it. There you go. Um, 
I love. <laughs> it became a crime story. Yeah. I will say my 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 uh, younger son is he's almost three. I don't understand a goddamn thing he's saying. Yeah, see, and he's yeah. trying to say things, and he gets mad too, and he's like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. "What? Is, what do you mean?" <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And just, it's see, All right. So you call. So you call up. Chris Morris. You bring him over. You pay him twenty bucks, and he can translate. Oh, it's cheap. <laughs> I don't know. He he sets his own rates. That was an example. Okay. Right. Well, there you go, Chris. Uh, Don't next up, be your agent, by the way, Chris Morris. <laughs> Twenty bucks or whatever. Thomas Thomas Elt has the uncanny ability to identify the species of tree that he's looking at anywhere. This is very similar to Connor's uh, landscaping prowess from last week. <laughs> oh, is it? Never. Yeah. No, it's fine. No, it's different. It's different. And it is I've different. Been, yeah. I've been in the woods, and I I'm just said I just said he can tell you what trees grow best wherever. Right. No, that's that's no, that's different. Yeah. You would look at it and say, "Oh, that's a Dutch elm. Well, that's a maple." I so live in a just, place surrounded by trees, and all I know is that the white ones are birch. Right. So he's just a botanist. He's the no, botanist. He's the botanist. He's got a master's degree. <laughs> it's just, I mean, he'd have a leg up in that field. <laughs> I'm telling you, you go outside right now and you look at those trees and you tell me, tell me if you can tell the difference. Which one do you get syrup from? I don't know. Gosh, you had two weeks off. You really should have come better with this one. <laughs> That's how we're going to do this now? Because <laughs> <laughs> I will walk. You were in Kuala Lumpur. You should have been relaxed. If I was relaxing, I wouldn't be thinking of this. Daniel White, he emits smoke. Oh, come on. Oh, that's pretty cool. Any kind of smoke. Yeah. Hands. He, so he uh, what's that? Like crack smoke? Any kind you want. So basically, <laughs> like, this? if you need a guy at your party, give you a little smoke on the dance floor. Nice. You want to smoke meats? <laughs> and <you> can... <laughs> There's heat. To, is there heat involved? No, no heat. Just smoke. All right. Yeah. All right, cool. There you go. <laughs> at, first not... I was, at first, I was annoyed with you. <laughs> and then I was like, no, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a weird show. We just we've we've identified the fact that it's a weird show, and that's fine. This year is weird. The show is weird. <laughs> Let's just move Thank on. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for supporting us at Patreon.com/slash/fanboy. If you want your own dumb superpower, you can go there and give it the appropriate level, and you can get on the show and get a dumb power and have all's right in the world. You can also help us out by going to fanboy.com/slash/support. That is where you can find the Amazon link, and that's very important now as we are uh, deep in the holiday season. There's still about three weeks left of holiday shopping. If you haven't done that yet, please consider going to fmwe.com slash support using our link if you're using Amazon for your all your shopping needs and uh, doing it there. We get a little piece of that action and it helps us out and it doesn't cost you anything and we really appreciate everybody that does that, especially this time of year. And as I said, patreon.com slash ifanboy, that's where you can join our patrons and uh, our mini pages. We're actually in spitting distance, Ron, of bringing back the ifanboy t-shirts, right? Yes. So we're going to... Uh, if you thought about, if you want iFanboy t-shirts to come back, if you've been around long enough to know we used to have iFanboy t-shirts and you're thinking about joining up, this would be a good time because we are literally about $100 away from bringing back the iFanboy t-shirts. Listen, uh, I, will go, I, I will go as far to say it would be delightful, folks, to hit oh. that goal by the end of the year. It's just a month yeah. ago. All we need is take that risk. I'm going to take that risk. All we need is another hundred dollars uh, in patrons. Um, not much, you know. You can you can you can jump on board as low as a dollar a month. Um, you know, we got a whole bunch of different levels: uh, three dollars a month, ten dollars a month, twenty dollars a month. But uh, help us get to that that goal, and then we then you get to buy cool T-shirts, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, and uh, thanks for everyone who does that. 
We, really, we like seeing all the different people up there. Yep. And uh, people, you get to vote. There's all kinds of fun things you can do with the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, also, on that page, I believe there's a donation link. Is there not? There is. You can do- if, you, if, if Patreon or Amazon isn't for you, and for some reason PayPal is, you can donate directly uh, via PayPal, uh, any, de- any denomination you like. You can say, hey, guys, here's five bucks. Thanks for the good work you do. We appreciate I'm it. I'm just going to say, this is not an endorse- endorsement. Uh, I love PayPal. Okay. Big fan. I buy a lot so, of used stuff. I should, I should set up a Venmo button. Hmm. Wait a minute. Yeah, you should. Um, you know, it's the end of the year. You have to get rid of your cash. I've, I've been on finance meetings this month. We're talking about cash flow at the end of the year, and uh, maybe you need to get rid of some money. Hey, and no, donation button. Donation button's great, and and you're you know you're shopping on Amazon, so just come and click on our banner first, please. So it's not hard. Yeah. All right. Better than other shows, Amazon buttons. Yes. Don't forget that. So. Uh, let's do some email. Ken writes and says, does anyone remember long for the days when annuals used to be relevant? I'm thinking oh, Marvel com- the 7th. Seven- completely. All right, move on. Sorry. I just realized we completely skipped the book. But anyway, go on. <laughs> Which book did we skip? I had added a Star Wars annual to Star Wars Corner, but it didn't make the script. So, And this just uh, reminded me of it. But we'll talk about this in the answer. Keep reading the email. Sorry to interrupt. Carry on. Are you making eyes at Josh right now? Maybe. Ken says, does anyone remember or long for the days when annuals used to be relevant? I'm thinking Marvel in the 70s or DC in the 80s. An annual might have an important story, a continuation of an arc in the main book, etc., drawn by the current talent on the series or a reasonable fill-in, sometimes even primetime creators. These days, it seems, especially at Marvel, the annual is a dumping ground for a throwaway one-shot featuring unheard of, often brutally inexperienced talent with little or no impact on current storylines and an optional read at best, quite often completely awful and pointless. What happened? Wow. Uh, what happened was is that it basically uh, the, the the value of the word when you put the word fragile on every box, no box becomes fragile fragile anymore. Um, and annuals just became no different than any other book that was coming out. And like you said, they used it as an opportunity to do little little stories or try out new talent or stuff like that, and it really eroded it. I agree with Ken in that like I miss the halcyon days of Marvel in the late 80s when they used the annuals to tell a singular storyline that you didn't actually need to read the actual books that were going on. It was right. like, the, you know, like the old um, uh, the, the X-Men As- Asgardian Wars um, took place all in the annuals, and I think Atlantis Attacks did too. Well, the, Atlantis the, the Attacks annual- the, the annuals, annuals used to be where the event happened. Yeah, exactly. That's where the yeah. the, the annual the annual event happened in the annual. So, yeah. on the DC on the DC side, Millennium, uh, uh, Armageddon two thousand one. Yep. Those those all those stories happened in the annuals, and in, you know instead of getting a, a miniseries, you got an opening issue, and then all of the annuals, and then you got the closing issue. And uh, Marvel, the same thing. Uh, then they they stopped doing that. Yeah, they start, just start putting out the events by themselves because publishing became much more advanced. And back in the day, it was a lot more. It was harder to make comic books. The coloring was being sent out to Ireland to be colored, and you know, like there was it was just the the comic, physically the physically yes, the comic book industry has just changed so much. And now, if you wanted to do, if you wanted to make a comic book, you can come up with the idea, get it drawn get it written, drawn, printed, and in the hands of stores if you're really good in six to eight weeks, which is unheard of compared to how it used to be back in the day. So, um, I, I mean, the, and I think you just said, like, if you're if everything is, event, is an event, yep. there's no events. Right. And then, then we live in the all-the-time all event yeah. area. Although, like, I want, I want to say, like, I was reading the annuals that we read this year, and most of them have the like at least the standard the regular writer for the series on it so there's a sense of continuity and it gives them a chance to tell a different kind of story sometimes right 
And like, yeah, we just I, talked I, about the fact that that the Batman Superman Annuals both had their regular writers on them. Yeah, and I noted that and liked it. What bothers me is that like there's no. There used to be like the time of year. It's, it's annuals time, you know. Yes, and they and, all come out at the same time. And yeah. now, now they're they're just whenever there's a fifth week or whenever there's you know whenever they just have reason to. There's no organization to them because they dump of, them. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So I mean, case in point, I, what if we had Star Wars corner this this week? I would have talked about Star Wars <laughs> Annual Number Two, which didn't feature the uh, the creative team on the book. Uh, Jason Aaron did write it. it. Uh, because uh, because I like Star Wars and I'm excited for the movie that I know nothing about. Um, and this was written by Kelly Thompson with art by Emilio Lasso. Um, you know I don't know them from from Abe, but um, I enjoyed I enjoyed the story. It was a fun, nice little you know like uh, a New Hope era. You know Princess Leia gets stranded on a planet and she's injured, and a, a woman who's not involved in the rebellion has to help her, and then ends up joining the rebellion. That's all fun. Um, so it was a fun, nice little story, but it had no impact on anything going on in the greater Star Wars stories. And the thing that annoyed me about it is that the it opens up on a planet, Scory Lay, and there's a crash Star Destroyer behind the town. And I'm like, well, that's just lazy. Yeah. You know, but anyway. but um, I, don't see, I don't know that I want them to have anything to do with what's going on. That doesn't bother me. I just want it to be like, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 honestly, I don't care. I just want it to be good. Yeah, exactly. And and you have to make me want to read it. So like I looked at the Star Wars one. I said I don't know who those people are. You know, like I like the other book because Jason Aaron's writing it. Yeah. You haven't hooked me. All right. Again. Ne- next question. Rob from Reading, England says I've been considering this question since the release of Cry Havoc in January 2016. Uh, do you guys actually read the letter columns slash bonus material at the back of most comics? How about extended author's notes and el- elucidations, like the annotation section of Cry Havoc or the essays in Wayward? Do they add anything to your enjoyment or of the medium, or are they fat to trim for your heavy comics diet? Well, I can certainly tell you I don't read the bonus material in Cry Havoc or Wayward. <laughs> I only read – I think I only mm, – it depends. I read Remenders. I, 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 yeah, I read Remenders. I read, I read at least some of what like, uh, he write, uh, Brian Vaughn writes in Saga. Yeah. yeah. I don't necessarily read all the letters, but I read what he has to say. I don't read all the stuff in uh, in Lazarus. Yeah, it's really pick or choose. It's a combination of of yeah. how much time I have versus the creator, and do I care about what they're saying about? Um, you know, like I read like all of all the phonogram and Wicked and Divine. Like I read all Kieran stuff. Um, you know, because those are I, because I've vested interest in the creators versus the you know. But yeah, I can't do it last for month or maybe the month before. Uh, sex. I, I read Joe Casey's essays because they're fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, I skim those to see what they're about. Yeah, yeah. There was one about malls <laughs> in a comic shop in a mall, and it was like the mall in Burbank that I used to go to. And like, do you remember he used to he used to have a column on Newsarama forever yeah. ago? Yeah. They were yeah. awesome. They're some of the best comic creator columns you know that I that I remember existing. And it feels like that. Like I basically, yeah, I skim them. If I, I need a reason to read them, I do. I don't tend to read the back matter that explains more about the world of the story because I don't want it. You know what I mean? Right. Like if it's if it's like this is what the creator's thinking about when they were creating it, that's one thing. But like, here's the explanation. Like the supplemental or, stuff, or yeah. Yeah, or, I don't yeah. read that. Yeah. I don't yeah. tend to do that. Yeah. So. You if guys I'm, do that? if I'm really loving the book, no. I might. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm not I'm not against it. I just don't tend to. Yeah. Okay, so there, there's your answer. I hope it hope it paid off. 
<laughs> All right, let's move along. Uh, Josh, what do we got to plug? Wait, wait, people can email us at contact.fanboy.com. Yes, uh, how can I forget? Yeah, email us at contact.fanboy.com. Let us know who you are, where you're from, how long you thought about it, and uh, that's it. Listen, if this is your first episode listening. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know what happened this week. I, I don't know if I can pinpoint what you're talking about. It seems mostly okay. Yeah. We're choppy. Bad. We're choppy. All right. Fair enough. We're off by like half a second. Well, Josh well, is still coming down from Kuala Lumpur, so. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you should listen to our Booksplode podcast. Booksplode is, is where we all talk about a single volume of a, of a comic book, graphic novel, trade paperback, something like that. Um, and this, this last month we did, wait, are we still in? Nope, that was November. We did The Rattler. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which just... was an original graphic novel um, from uh, Jason McNamara and, oh my God, I just fuzzed out. Greg Hinkle. Greg Hinkle, uh, who we previously loved on Airboy. Um, and it's a horror thriller story out from Image Comics, came out in the last year. Um, I guess I can say we all liked it because that's usually the case when we do a book. Yes. We weren't sure if that was going to be the case with this one, but it's definitely us talking about a genre that I don't think we talk about a lot. Um, and, and you should check that out. It's a, it's a nice little diversion for what we normally do on this show. And you can look forward to those just about every other month. We'll do a talk explode, which is an interview uh, one month and then a book explode the other month, more or less. Good switch. I don't know. But that is happening because uh, the patrons reached a certain level and we said, OK, you do that. We're going to do these monthly special shows for you. There's, so, a, there's a great cause and effect with the patrons. They sign up. Stuff happens. So there you go. Oh, it's more work for us. <laughs> more work. More work. Uh, so if you are a person listening to this show when it first comes out on a Sunday, which would be Sunday the 4th. The 4th. Correct. Sunday the 4th or the day of, uh, the day after Sunday the 5th, uh, Sunday the 5th, December 5th, Monday, uh, that is going to be the date of our final hangout of the year, our patron hangout. Our, every month we do a patrons only hangout, which we talk for an hour on uh, anything. It's a live hangout, live video, and we just ramble on about stuff. And uh, that's our final one for the year. Our monthly hangout in December is happening December 5th. A Monday night at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. So if you're around and you're a patron, come check it out. Yes. Ron and I are going to be talking about the CWDC crossover. So can I well, show up late? Well, Josh reads a magazine. I think I, I was actually, as I was watching the show, I was like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm really looking forward to talking about this with Connor, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what Josh thinks of it. So <laughs> thinks of the conversation. So um, I hope, Josh, you pay attention. Uh, be a quiz. You should also pay attention. Upcoming, uh, we're gonna have a talk explode coming up this month, most likely. Josh, how you, how's, how's that coming along there? We're working on it. We're working on it. We're working on scheduling holidays. Uh, but there's gonna be one. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen soon. We haven't nailed. The, if it's not the first person, it's gonna be a different person. But, but we're not going to tell you that. <laughs> can we can we talk explode with each other? Does that count? I think that's the, that's the patron thing. We, we, can we just use that as a dunk explode if we <laughs> run out of time? We'll talk about this offline. Sure. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to the holiday December schedule. Connor, take it away. Yeah, so last week we started talking about the holiday schedule. If you're new to the show, the end of the year is a little bit different than normal. So uh, as we mentioned, there's a talk explode coming in December. That's your December special episode. And then after that, uh, this is episode 564. You got one more episode of the Pick a League podcast left. 565 comes out December 11th. That is the last Pick a League podcast of the year. Then we take a couple of weeks off, but 
There's still more shows. The week after that, in the regular Piggly League slot, you'll find the 2016 All Media Year in Spectacular, December 18th. That's when we talk about all the things we love in film and TV and, and music and all kinds of things that are not comics related, but also some comic stuff on that show. That's always a big favorite for uh, every year. And then a couple of days later, December 21st, you'll have the Rogue One, a Star Wars story review. We're saying this only so people don't ask us or stop asking us when that's going to happen. <laughs> and then uh, the Piglet show comes back to January 8th. Uh, that's 566. That will be January 8th. So between December 11th and January 8th, there'll be no pick of the week, but then you'll have a couple extra shows in there while everyone enjoys the holidays. It's going to be a there good time. Go. And, and, and most importantly, we get a nice little break and we'll come back recharged in January and uh, ready for another great year of comic book talk. Better at this. Better at this. <laughs> you can see, you can hear it. We need that break. Yeah. Go over to ifanboy.com and you can comment on this show. You can say, I don't know, you're talking about guys. I had a good time listening, yeah. which is what you should say. Uh, you can talk about the books that we talked about, your thoughts on annuals, whatever it is that you choose, how long you've been thinking about either of those things. And of course, all of our past episodes in video and audio form. You can follow us on facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter and of course individually at Jay Flanagan at CS Kilpatrick, although. Kind of a dead link at this point. And at RonXO. Yes. And if you like what you're hearing, you can go over to iTunes and write a review of it. We love hearing about what people think of the show, good and bad. So uh, let your reviews come uh, come flooding in. Um, or anywhere that anybody's talking about podcasts, you know, uh, when you're, you have to, you'll be going to a lot of holiday parties, you'll be going to a lot of family events, things like that. Be like, hey, I got a podcast for you to check out. Check out iFanboy. Um, and it's always fun to check out all, you know, to have bring new listeners on board. And we thank everybody who helped spread the word. I appreciate it. Oh, and speaking of podcasts, also check out my new podcast, uh, Damn Fine Podcast, uh, over at damnfinepodcast.com, uh, where we're going through Twin Peaks with uh, with our buddy Tom Merritt. We uh, just launched uh, last week. Second episode's out. Third episode's coming this week. Uh, so please go there and uh, sign up. I appreciate it. So Damn Fine is a reference to the program. Yes, it is. I assume. Yes. And that wasn't taken? Uh, not not damn fine podcast wasn't taken. So that's a good name, even that's if it wasn't. Name. Yeah, I got to credit Tom. I, mean, I got to credit Tom. He, he's the one who snagged it the day the day they announced the Showtime series. He went and bought it. <laughs> Wrong. So, so yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for this week. So until then, I'm Ron. I'm Connor, and I'm Josh. 